Well, today I want to read to you the text chosen for this morning, and it's from the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open them. This is found at the end of John chapter 17. This section, this whole section is sometimes called the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying to his Father, starting in verse 20 through verse 26. Jesus is saying, my prayer is not for them alone. He's there speaking about his disciples. He says, my prayer is not for just them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as I am in you and you and you are in me, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may believe and be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for this word. We give you thanks for Jesus and his words to us this morning. Father, I pray that you would continue to make yourself known through the words of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be truly pleasing in your sight, that my words would be your words. We pray, Jesus, may we know you. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, we continue. This is the sixth week already in the series, Speaking of Jesus, where we have been learning and exercising, hopefully, this skill of speaking of him and overcoming some of the anxiety that is created in our culture about speaking the name of Jesus in a culture that oftentimes doesn't want to hear that name or not, maybe not hear that name but hear from us. And so we've been seeking to become eager conversationalists and we've been using this book by Carl Medeiros in our small groups and for a source of this material on the weekend, his book 42 Seconds, where he has broken it down into four sections. If we're going to speak of Jesus, we need to be kind as Jesus was kind. We need to be present in the moment, fully conscious of the moment. And last week we saw that we needed to be brave and courageous. And this week we're looking at this idea of being Jesus. And he says in his book, he says, well, isn't that what we've been talking about all along? It's just being Jesus. And, and that's true, but it's a greater challenge this week because it's more than just being Jesus. It's understanding what it is to be Jesus and how we are called to be Jesus to those around us. You know, when I got married to my wife, Terry, she worked in the food industry. And after we got married, she went to work in the travel industry. And I was telling her last night, I'm like, 
It was like two of my favorite things, food and travel. It's like we were meant to be together, right? But when we got together, she was a trap. When she went into the travel industry, the travel industry used to do these things. They don't do them so much anymore. They're called fam trips. You guys ever heard of fam trips in the travel industry? Travel agents would be given these trips from tour companies, airlines, destinations, so that they would become familiar with those locations. Hence the name fam trip. And it was all free, it was all gratis. And so Terry, as a travel agent, spent a week in London. They, TWA flew her over, first class. TWA, for those of you younger, is an airline that used to exist but no longer exists. But they flew her first class to London. She saw cats, the original cast, cats in London, in the theater. And not only that, she got to take a trip, seven-day cruise in the Caribbean, so she could be familiar with these places and so that she could come back as a travel agent and sell these places, right? Because she's been there. She went to places like New Orleans for lunch. They flew her down to New Orleans for lunch and flew her back. They even flew her to Chicago to see a Cardinal baseball game at Wrigley Field. Now, I, I need to mention something, too. She did all this without me. I didn't get to go on one single trip but Terry got to do all these things. And so a lot of times she would talk about these places with our friends and with clients, and she, talk, and she talked in a way that I could never talk about them. Because I've never been, well, I've been to Wrigley Field, but I've been to New Orleans too, but I've never been to London, and I've been on a Caribbean trip, but I've never been to London. And so I really couldn't talk about London the way Terry talks about London, because Terry's been there. In his book, 42 Seconds, Carl Medeiros quotes Brendan Manning. I don't know if you know him. He's the author of the book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Anyway, this is the quote from there. He says, we must never allow the authority of books, institution, or leaders to replace the authority of knowing Jesus personally and directly. When the religious views of others interpose between us and the primary experience of Jesus as the Christ, we become unconvicted and unpersuasive travel agents handing out brochures to places we have never visited. Did you catch that? If we're going to be Jesus, if we're going to speak of Jesus, then we must know Jesus. Otherwise, we're just handing out brochures, the things we've heard about, the things we've heard discussed. No, if we're truly going to be Jesus, we need to know Jesus. We need to know about him, and we need to know him. There's a difference. And if we're truly going to speak of him with authority, convicted, persuasively, the only hope is that we know him, and that we take great effort to know him, because it does take our effort. This isn't a passive passive thing. So here's, let me ask you this question. What is the difference between learning about Jesus and knowing Jesus? Both, I believe, are good things. To know about him, this book is filled, filled with things about him, things about him that you probably haven't read, 
I'm sure there are things in here that I haven't read about him. He appears everywhere in this book. And we should learn these things. But what's the difference between learning about Jesus, think about that for a minute, and knowing Jesus? Well, here's how I answered that question. To learn about Jesus doesn't require a relationship with Jesus. Right? I mean, you could tell me about him. There are people all across this planet that know many things about Jesus, professors in universities and divinity colleges that know about Jesus, have studied him, that could tell you his life, but they don't believe in him. And yet they know a lot about him. But see, I think to know about him doesn't require a relationship with Jesus. Here, to know Jesus requires a relationship with Jesus. It requires him. To know him, I must be in a relationship with him. Now, let me stop for a second. You know, when I say that, I hear myself, I hear myself thinking like about 20 years ago where I'm like, I hear this phrase, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. A relationship with Jesus? He's dead, right? I mean, yeah, he's alive, but he, it's not the same. But what I've learned and what I've come to know and what he's revealed through the power of his spirit is that you can have a relationship with him and learn from him. And to do that requires him to teach us. It requires him to mold us and shape us. It requires a relationship with Jesus. Not just to know about him, but to actually know him and his heart. Not just things, but the person, Jesus. So if we are going to be Jesus to others, we must know Jesus. In our text, we heard Jesus say these words, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that they, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus promises to give us himself, his presence in us. That's a part of the gift of faith, a part of righteousness. We have his spirit living in us for the purpose of making him known so that we can come to know his heart and the, and the love behind these words and the desire for not just you, but for the world to know him. And he gives us the perfect example. He says, I have made the Father known. He says elsewhere in John, I do nothing that I do not see the Father doing. The Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he does. And so everything Jesus is testifying to with his life, he learned in relationship with the Father. Now, don't ask me to explain that, because that just, like, makes my head explode if I try. But that's what he says. There's a relationship in the Godhead between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glorifying one another, but they learn from one another. And what he learned from God, the Father, he made known to his disciples where he said to them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, which is why Paul says in 1 first, first, first Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Oh, that's a bold proclamation. 
But Jesus says that's possible for you to know him and for you to live like him if you know him. You know, and the ones that knew him best were these three, Peter, James, and John. You know, he had the 12, and there were more that followed him than just the 12, but he spent the most time with these three. They saw things the others were just told about, but they knew him intimately. He took them places he didn't take the others, like to the Mount of Transfiguration. He took them, and they saw things. Things were revealed to them, and they learned from Jesus as they followed him everywhere. You see, that's how we come to know him. It takes time. It takes proximity to him in his word. It takes an effort. It, takes, it, it, it requires there a cost be paid, and that is your time and your energy and your life. Jesus said this. He said, my prayer, though, is not just for those 12 guys, not just for those three, but my prayer is for every one of you as well. He said, it's not just for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. You catch that? That they may be one. In knowing who Jesus is, knowing who the Father is, having experience with the Father, knowing him intimately, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you catch that last part? All of this is for the purpose so that those that don't know him can come to know him through us as we reveal the Father's love as expressed through Jesus, as shared to us by his disciples. And he calls us to do the same, to go and share Jesus. But to do that, we need to know him. And it's different. It is different. Right? We don't get to physically touch Jesus other than in this meal that we will celebrate later, but it's not the same. They got to touch him and laugh with him and eat with him and cry with him. But we also get to do that. We also get to experience Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul never experienced Jesus the way the 12 did, but yet he encountered Jesus. And the Spirit of Jesus lives in us. How more intimate can that be? And so he calls us to get to know him, to learn from him, from his word, the Bible. Because here is the word. And John says, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This word isn't just words printed on a page. It's living, it's breathing. It's Jesus revealing his heart to us through his spirit. We must spend time in this word if we are truly going to get to know Jesus and learn from him. And secondly, we learn through prayer. Jesus' example, if we learn from him, we learn that he's prayed, and he prayed often. He went into solitary places, as was his practice early in the morning, just to be with his Father. Again, I can't explain that, but I mean... Right, he's praying to his Father. And if Jesus needs to pray, my goodness, I know I need prayer. He remained connected to his Father through prayer. He also gives us himself in the church. The Spirit of God lives in you that believe in him. And I experience him through you. 
He reveals himself, a different part of him. Through you, each of you are unique. God has created you uniquely to represent him uniquely in this world. And I get to experience almost a different aspect of Jesus in every single one of you. I learn from Jesus through you. And finally, we learn from Jesus in doing what he teaches. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, then you will do what I teach. Those who love me do what I teach. If we want to know the heart of Jesus, if we want to experience Jesus, we need to do what Jesus calls us to do. And in doing so, we will learn from him. We will learn that he is trustworthy. We will learn that he was with us because we'll find ourselves saying things and thinking things that we would not have done alone. And we would not have experienced had we not just taken that step and trusted him and actually do what he says to do, to go and make disciples, to speak of him, not to be ashamed, to understand how we present Jesus to the world. To know Jesus is to be Jesus to the world. But we can't be Jesus if we don't know him. You know, in his book, in the five chapters that are in this section on Be Brave, he has these headings. He says, do I believe what Jesus believed? Do my words match his actions? Do I really know Jesus? Do I do what Jesus did? And do I live as if Jesus matters more than anything? Those are those five sections he challenges us in this book to like really take a hard look. But there's something implicit in this. He says in the book, he says to know Jesus requires us to have a relationship with him. But there's something implicit in these questions. Do you see it? See, if we're going to be Jesus, to others, we must know Jesus, right? But here's the other thing. We must also know ourselves. We must become self-aware. And all those questions is, do I, do I, do I? How do you know unless you know yourself? Unless you can look in the mirror and look at yourself and really ask yourself some very hard questions. Do I believe what Jesus believes? Do I do what Jesus does? Do I truly know Jesus? To truly be Jesus, we need to know ourselves and know where we, where we are short. The Bible's full of those commands for us to examine ourselves. Psalm 119, I've considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I've looked at my life and the way I'm walking and I've corrected my steps and walked in your ways. In Lamentations, let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Timothy, Paul writes, keep a close watch on yourself, on the way you live, and on the teaching, the teaching of Jesus. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. If you continue to examine yourself. And finally, Jesus himself says this, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, if you don't see that within yourself is sin, you don't see within yourself that you aren't Jesus, that you aren't perfect, 
If you can't see that about yourself, how will you help someone else know Jesus? If we don't know ourselves, if we truly don't understand who we are, I believe it's almost impossible to understand who Jesus is. And that's why he gives us his word, so that we understand who he is. But also, his word reveals to me who I am. I love this quote. It says, the Bible is a mirror, not a window. You know, when I, when I prepare a message on the weekend, I have to admit to you, I have to work hard, but I have to admit to you, when I, when I read certain things and I'm, I'm talking about certain things, I can picture some of you. And I'm sorry. Because I'm using it as a mirror, or as a window, when I should be using it as a mirror. Because that's what it's intended to do. It's intended to show me myself. It's intended to reveal to me Jesus so that I know him. And in knowing him, I come to know myself. And when I do that, I come to find in his word that he knows me better than I know myself, and yet he loves me perfectly and deeply. Even when I don't know him perfectly, he knows me and loves me perfectly. Because that's Jesus. That's what he reveals about himself in his word, that he loves you more than anything. And his life given for you is proof of that. That's what he reveals to you. He wants you so deeply to know how much you are loved and to know him and his heart for you. That is why he came, so that you would know him and know who you are. So we need to know him and learn from him, and we need to know ourselves. I come back to this quote from Brendan Manning. We cannot rely upon travel agents, right? You yourselves must do the exploration. You yourselves must go there. You know, six years ago, on our 30th anniversary, I surprised my wife with a trip to Africa. She didn't know anything about it. I paid for it, saved for it, did all that on my own. And, you're, and it wasn't, wasn't cheap. And maybe you're wondering, well, how? You know, that's a risk. And so I go, well, it would be if I didn't know my wife. You know, she didn't talk about it all the time, but I knew her favorite show growing up was Doctari. Right? So I'm, I'm sorry, Terry, but I probably just, like, spoiled one of those, like, password-protected things, you know, where you got to, like, answer these questions. So she'll probably have to go back and change something. But it was Doctari, you know, a show in Africa. She loved Born Free. And when her friend Gretchen went on a safari to Africa and didn't ask her to go, Terry was heartbroken. And so I knew years before what I wanted to do. So we saved and I took her to Africa. And she had a marvelous time. And so did I. And one of the things that we discovered when we got back, you know, I took over 7,000 pictures while we were there. Seriously, 7,000 pictures. I spent weeks when we got back going through them and, and, and bringing them down to a, 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 a size where I could then share them with people. And one of the things I noticed, I shared with all these people. I'm like, oh, you should see my pictures. You should see these pictures. You should see these pictures. And people were like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. But I could have kept going, and I noticed in their face, like, okay, enough already, enough already. You see, they'd never been there. 
we had been there, and it was amazing. We saw things that we just only saw in pictures or in the movies or heard about from other people, but then when we finally went, it was amazing. See, until you finally go there on your own and explore for yourself in this word about Jesus and he reveals himself to you, until you do that, it's not the same. And you can get tired of listening to us talk about our trip to Africa. It's the same way you can get tired of us talking about Jesus until you know him, until you have experienced him. And when you do, you'll find yourselves talking at nauseam sometimes about him. But you got to go. But there's going to be a cost, right? As there was a cost to this trip, there's going to be a cost to knowing him. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your effort. It's going to take intentionality. And it's also going to take others around you to encourage you right, and to help you see yourself for who you are. But see, Jesus has provided all that for us so that we could come to know him and learn from him so that the world would know that he is God, so that they could come to know him. That is his hope and his prayer for all of us, is that the world would come to know him and to see his glory, not only now, but forever. Right? Not just to hear about what heaven's like, not just to understand what Jesus looked like, but we're going to get to see Jesus as John, Peter, and, and James saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, transformed into his true self. We are going to get to see him, and that's what he desires for us and everyone. So I want to encourage you. Open up your Bibles. Pray. Continue to do what he says. Continue to gather with the church and see if he doesn't reveal himself to you. I pray that for all of you. Pray that for all of you, for Jesus' sake.